amazing story. So I really encourage you to just keep reading. Leaders are readers, true? All right, let's read some scripture together. John 15, um, I've deleted, I've taken some of the verses out, just put the ones that I'm really highlighting today. I am the true vine, say vine, and my father is the gardener. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. That's just too amazing, isn't it? What a promise. If you remain in me and my words remain inside of you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Isn't that amazing? Hey, you know, it was just last week I was saying, wouldn't it be great to see more people married from within our church? (laughs) And these two were out there. I haven't yet heard the story of how he proposed. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That would be just so much fun. These verses must be some of the most potential-laden verses in the Bible. They're incredible. There's at least three levels of potential that our good God, who loves to do good things for his people, are promising. And the levels are massive. He says you'll get fruit, and then you'll get much fruit. And then this phrase, in fact, ask whatever. Can you say whatever? Whatever. No, no, with the attitude. With the attitude. Whatever. Whatever. No, that's not the right thing, is it? (laughs) But this whatever you ask, how does that come about? How does God trust us with... Actually, you can get to a stage where whatever you are praying is going to be on the mark, on the button, in the will of God. It's because His words deep down inside of us and His Spirit has been working in our heart for years and years and years. And our, our hearts and our, our desires have shifted from the pleasure, pleasure, want, desire, cruise. There's nothing wrong with cruises, by the way. I'll go on one one day. So will you if you want to. Is that a word for anyone? Mediterranean cruise, Fiji cruise, Alaska cruise. Nothing wrong with cruises, but if that's all we're praying about, we're a long way from God saying, okay, now I flick the switch to the whatever. Because the whatever just starts to become the will of God. The the right prayer starts to become what we pray naturally. And God goes, wow. And all sorts of things happen. I love the story of Heidi Baker. Um, Heidi was given a choice by her church who sent her out with a million-dollar funding. They said, we will fund you when you go to Mozambique for a million dollars. But when she started to get involved with Randy Clark and go after the things of the Spirit, the church said, no. You either move away from the things of the Spirit to keep our funding, or we will cut you off. She prayed. She wrote back to her church or rang back to her church and said, I love you guys, but I can't agree with your theology. I'm going after the things of God. 
And that was the point. And Heidi has prayed through and prayed through and prayed through. But that was the point when her ministry began to take off. I won't tell you about her ministry. You just Google her and find some facts out about what she's doing. But a million dollars is a pittance in terms of finance as to what's flowing through her ministry now. She hit whatever. Whatever you ask for in prayer, it will happen. Would you like to be there? I love it. I love it. What if your future and my future really does depend on our prayers? What if God's got all sorts of stuff for you and me to do and be involved in that just begins to expand and expand and expand? But it depends on whether we spend time with him and ask and do the abidings thing that John 15 talks about. You know, what sort of things? What's how you got to heaven and Jesus took you to a movie theater And he showed us a movie of our lives with all the fullness of what could have happened within our lives. Would you want to, after that movie, go, God, can I do this over? Could I just go back again and start it and go forward? You know, God's got so many good, good, good things for us. Things like people getting saved around us. Not just praying for them, but never happening, but actually having conversations where people come to Christ and just get their lives radically transformed. Or projects that just come across your, your path, opportunities that just get, get given to you and you're, you're in a place where you're able to pick up on those opportunities and your influence starts getting expanded and your name starts getting talked around in the circles and even beyond the circles in which you live. And maybe healings start to take place through you. I, I was fortunate enough to be with one of my pastors on Thursday night out at tea, Tong Ng. And we've had Tong in the church here. And he was laughing about his son, Paul. And he said, Paul has been with Randy Clark a lot. And Paul's developed a ministry with praying for legs being lengthened. Has anyone seen that happen? Wow. Oh, okay. It, some people just have a ministry in this. And, and Paul, just about 80% of the time, he prays for someone with a short leg. It grows. And their leg comes back. I've been wandering through the mall and seeing how many people are doing this. And I've just been challenged. Have I got enough faith to say, can I pray for you? And the answer so far is no. I haven't. But Paul, anyway, he was out with this person. And and they were praying for for this lady. And um, he said to her, he said, which way would you like me to pray? Do you want one leg to get shorter or the short one to get longer? And she said, I'm tall. I don't want to be taller again. Can you please pray that my long leg will go short? So he prays for her long leg to shrink and it goes down to the size so that it's level with the other one. Tong's laughing his head off about what his son's been involved in. Would you like to be involved in something like that? It's in the much more fruit. It's in the whatever sort of category that God offers to people. Would you? He, Jesus would probably show us about miracles that, that could have happened in travel. And maybe for some of you, it would be inventions that you could have invented. And, and um, for most of us, it would be getting us to a level where we're able to give significant finance to people where we see needs. Because we've got some excess in our lives. And people just being blessed. There could be new career paths that would open up. 
Things that God has been dreaming and thinking about our lives. And we don't really know what they are, but we do know that God says, if you abide with me, fruit will happen, and then more fruit, and then whatever will begin to happen as well. Is it possible that our future really does depend upon whether we've asked for these things, our prayer life? I want to talk to you about Jericho this morning as being a model for prayer. You know the story of entering the promised land? Are you with me? You know that story? And, and it gives us a focus, a prayer focus, a concept of circling. Would you say the word circling? Circling. Circling when we circle something. And we keep circling that thing. Because that's what Jericho was all about. They were circling this massive city that was there. And we, we circle something as they did until finally the walls come tumbling down. You know, the children of Israel were given a dumb strategy by human means of warfare. It's just not bright to walk around a city for seven days in a row and expect to win. Have you ever heard of anyone in one of the wars, apart from God involved, saying, I've got a great strategy, Gallipoli, let's walk around it. It's such a small place, Gallipoli. But they were told that every place where they walked, where their feet touched the earth, God would give it to them. And this was the beginning of it. And they were told to grow and draw circles around Jericho for seven days. And, they, and for six of those days, they were to walk once around the city. That, um, and then on the last day, they were to walk seven times around. So how many times did they walk around the city? Over seven days. I think six and seven is 13. And they were to do it in absolute silence. Now, Jericho was huge. It's this enormous walled city. And when I was in Portugal, Sandra and I were there, we crossed from Portugal to Spain across a, a river, and there was a bridge there. And, and on either side, but just far enough away that their cannons couldn't actually hit the other fort, were two massive forts that were there. And we wandered into the, into the Portugal fort, and the wall would have been 10 or 15 meters thick, so we go into the tunnel, and we're still in the tunnel of the wall, and Jericho was like this. It had this massive wall. It was 50 foot high, but it was so thick. And on the outside was a smaller wall, and so that anyone that was attacking in the normal way fights are done and, so, and, and cities are taken, they would have to clamber over the first wall down into the, the trench down the bottom, and then they've got this massive wall, and they're immediately in a place where they've just got no cover whatsoever. And God's strategy is, no, don't take them on head on. I've got a much better one. You just walk around it in silence. Now, it made sense to walk in silence. Can you think why? It'd be so there was no unbelief spoken. <laughs> unbelief doesn't do much good for prayers, does it? Now, I want you to think, what were the children of Israel thinking as they walked around a wall and a city that they thought was unconquerable? Oh, what a great day to go marching. I love marching. We get to go all the way around today. Boy, I had a good coffee this morning. I think I'll have another coffee when we get back. 
not on your nelly. They were thinking, this is the dumbest, unwinnable strategy that anyone has ever had. Or they were at the stage which they would have quickly moved into because they, they would have thought they were absolutely ins insignificant and never going to win. Or they would have been going, oh God, help, oh God, help, oh God, help us. Only you, God, could bring this wall down. But they weren't allowed to speak. It was all inside. And I want to suggest to you that they didn't wander around aimlessly, getting exercise for the day, feeling good, doing some press-ups. They were doing the last one. Oh, God, help us. Oh, God, you've got to break through here. And with no battering ram at all, God fought for them. No human battering ram from the people at all. Other than this earnest, desperate prayer, all they did was pray in circle. Oh, God, help. Oh, God, you've got to come through. God, we'll never take this unless you fight for us. You're promise, you promised us this. 400 years ago, you said we'd have this land. God, we've finally come here. We've seen miracles. But God, this is big. You've got to. And they circled and they prayed and they circled and they prayed and they circled and they prayed. And there were 600,000 of them who began to get absolutely united in their silence as they prayed. And what they found was that nothing, no matter how big it is, can stand against God's will and his promise to us if we will circle it in prayer and keep praying. God will fight for us. Now, you know, we could go home now and say, well, John preached a sermon, I understand that, and I've got it. I, you know, we've got to pray, we've got to circle stuff. But what do you circle? What's the will of God for you? What would you go home and say, I'm going to pray around this thing until a breakthrough comes and I begin to see this in my life? You know, the, James says, we're often praying for things that are just for our, for our absolute comfort and for our absolute pleasure, and you don't get it because you've got wrong motives. But, but if you pray for the will of God for your life, if you pray that what God's been thinking about in heaven could come and take place around you, wow, you can't lose if you keep at it. But what are you going to pray for? What's your Jericho? A thousand years later, Jesus, it says, came out of Jericho. And can we have the scripture uh, up, up here? It says, now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him, Jesus. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out and said, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. And then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. Be quiet. Stop it. You're annoying the master. Comments like that. But they cried out all the more, No, son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. So Jesus stood still and he called them and he said these amazing words. The God of heaven who knows everything. What do you want me to do for you? That's what he said, said to them. And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes might be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. 
Now, why does Jesus ask two obviously blind men at the side of the road what they need? He knows what they need and he's got the ability to be able to do it for them. He wanted to know whether they knew what they needed. So again, my question is, what's your Jericho? What would you want to circle in this coming months? And walk around it until it changes and heaven begins to be released around your life because something that God is doing is for you. You know, we've been learning that we are born into a kingdom, that we're not bosses in the kingdom, we're followers. Can you say the word follower? It's much safer than boss. But the kingdom of God means there's a king where he rules. And our job as followers is to learn to know his voice. Where do we learn to know his voice? By abiding. John chapter 15. Abide with me and if my words get into you and my spirit illuminates things in your life, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. And this king will speak to us if we'll take the time to listen and remember what we've heard, which is where journaling is so incredibly helpful for actually, actually writing down what we believe God is saying back to us in our prayer times. And we're called to do that, not to come up with lists that we'd like Jesus to do for us, but we're called to hear from him and then begin to circle those things. Let me give you one or two illustrations of what circling has been First one from my life. I've always known I haven't got the gift of celibacy. <laughs> Some people have. They're not looking for a partner. They're really happy with being them. Time with them is great. They love people, but they're not, they know that they've, they're celibate. They're going to live a celibate life. But I've always known that I haven't got the gift of celibacy. And the first thing that I really circled in my life was Sandra. It's not called stalking. It's called circling. And I circled Sandra for months and months. And sometimes I was absolutely desperate. Oh, God, you've got to give me this woman. God, I love this woman. I want God. And other times I was supremely confident. God, who else would she choose? There's no one like me. Oh, God. But I circled Sandra for months, and it was the second best decision I've ever made in my life, and God released Sandra to my life. You see, the will of God isn't all the worst things that you don't want to do. There may be some things you're not so pleased on, but most of them you go, I love the will of God. I love the will of God. If you're sitting there and you know you're not a person who is designed with an inner piece of celibacy, you need to start circling. I heard an amazing story of some parents who were praying for their kids. As soon as she got pregnant, they started praying. He would lay his hands on her tummy while the baby's in there and pray for the baby. And they asked God, God, tell us the names. And there were two names that they got. And it wasn't twins. They got a boy's name and a girl's name. And it turned out to be a boy, and they gave the boy this name, but they always continued to pray for the girl. 22 and a half years later, when they got engaged, 
The son had chosen a girl with that exact name. And as parents, they've been praying and believing for exactly what the will of God was for their son. And they've managed to set his life up in a wonderful way. And actually, they never told him, even when they got engaged. When he started going out and got engaged, they waited till he was married. So it was a clear, his decision, not influence, God wants you to do this. But he was choosing, and they were able to bless him on the wedding day. Isn't that cool? The will of God is not something horrible out there. Something wonderful. You know, all of this building and all of our complex out here was, an, was a promise. And we all knew we needed to do something about being a growing church, and we've gone through the earthquakes and various things, but we're, God's got a plan to fill this place over and above. Yeah. That, that's what the future is. But we had to pray. We knew we had to do this. And I was so scared, thinking, flip, I don't want to get a church into massive debt. I don't want million-dollar debt over a church. God, I don't know how we're ever, in 2008, going to build, build those buildings out there. And so I was saying to God, God, Jericho's huge. There's massive walls. There's an outer wall. And if we do it wrong, everyone will shoot me in the outside part. And the elders will get shot too. And so will anyone else who's on our team. Because, God, it doesn't work. You've got to come through. What do we do? You've got to tell us the next step. God, we need a promise from you. And then we'll circle that promise. That was me walking around. The need for, for God to say something. And I could take you to the exact spot under the tree. And God said to me in 2000, end of 2000, well, beginning of 2008, GFC hadn't hit the, the screens until October. So we weren't thinking a recession. But God said, this is a great year to, to raise a million dollars. And I came back and I shared it with you. And then many of you just immediately had faith. And you began to go, this is God. And we together began to walk around this building program that needs to happen of a million dollars. And do you know, over the next couple of years, out of our pockets, God poured money to the extent of $1,040,000. And the other costs came from some donations that came in. But out of our own pockets, $1,040,000 came in. And almost all of that $40,000 was unused. God just likes to do a little bit on top, I figure. It's like the cherry. Here's another 40. Wow. And most of that went into the fund for this, for this part. But we just knew we had a promise, and we could walk around that promise and believe God, and what God would make it happen. And some of the best things that have ever happened in my life and your life were because of the financial generosity that God birthed within us as we gave to the building fund that was there. Yeah. You know, after the earthquakes, we got knocked quite a bit as a church and area of families and children, and we're still, still working to recover there. But when Don came on staff here, I, I said to him, Don, I'd really like you to go away for an hour a week on a Wednesday Go and pray for an hour and pray for children. Pray, pray for the kids' ministry. And after two months, Don came back to me and says, I've been doing it. So I said, good, what's God been saying? And he looked a bit shocked and a little bit sheepish. And he said, oh, I'm not sure. 
I said, well, that's great, Don. You've been having a one-way conversation, but go away now and have a talk, but listen to what God says to you. And then Don began to come back with words and impressions. And he said, I think, I think God's saying icons. And, and, and we began to explore icons. And every, every knock he gave onto the group that organized icons across the country, they just, they just did more than we, we needed to have happen. Doors just began to open. And then he came back and he said, I think, because he'd been praying outside the schools, around about, and one of the schools he'd been praying at was um, Paparoa Street. And, and, he, and he came back and he said, God seems to be laying Paparoa Street on my heart. He said, I, I feel I should go and talk to the principal of Paparoa Street. Great, Don. That's cool. So he goes and speaks to the principal, and you know the story. The principal's an atheist. And he, and he says, mm. he said, I'll take it to the board. He said, but I want you to know I don't believe in prayer. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. Two weeks later, he comes back and he says, you are welcome in our school. The board have said, we want you. <laughs> and interestingly, there's Yet another principal in Paparoa Street now, all these years later, and um, he, Don's going in a couple of weeks' time because he's been asked, would he please come? And uh, they, they want to renew things that are taking place there. And we've just seen God open doors. God put two and two together. What's that? It's called fruit. This church is built upon children's work. It was the, we, we started in someone's home a Sunday school. That was it. And, and we grew into a church, but we grew from children. So in the very DNA of this place is children's work. What would happen if we as a people began to pray for the children's work? And we said, God, we're going to hold this before you for the next week. In fact, the prayer meeting tonight is on children's work. Rowana's going to come because we're in a number of schools, two schools with after-school programs and holiday programs. But we've never seen crossover from the kids in the, in the school programs to the work here within the church until just recently, just in the last year. But Rowana's going to come and tell us about some of the needs of the kids and the needs of the parents so that as we go out to um, uh, Mareha Primary tonight and probably some other schools as well, we can pray with some insight off-site. Yeah. And God will begin to answer. But what would happen at 6 o'clock, that prayer meeting? I really encourage you to come. But what would happen if we didn't just make it for a week? But we actually said, God, I'm just going to pray about... That's one promise I know of. This church was started with children. You're working in the area of children. I'm just going to pray for the whole year, whenever I remember. And maybe you'd be one of, one of the people who wants to set a time on your, on your phone and just put the, the right time in. We've, I've asked, asked people for this next week if you would have two five-minute prayer slots. Maybe 12.30 is a good first alarm. And when the alarm goes, just take five minutes and pray that this church might be effective in the mission of God. And you can just let the Holy Spirit inspire you and all sorts of others. And then maybe 5.30 or 3.30 in the afternoon, another alarm goes off, and you can just begin to pray for your own spiritual growth. That's the will of God. And I really encourage you, why don't you journal stuff? Why don't you journal so that you know what God's saying back to you? As you ask God a question, God, what's the next step for my growth? Then start writing. God is saying, the next step is. Friends, it's as easy as that. You might be very, very surprised as you read back over the notes once you've written the paragraph at how godly 
how wisdom-filled those words that came out of your thinking. But, you know, that's how God speaks. He speaks into our mind. I've never met anyone who reads clouds or sees a screen in front and, you know, words appear. Now, God did that. He, he had an angel write on a wall once, if I remember rightly. Who was reading it? Daniel. Yeah, it was for Nebuchadnezzar, I think. But it's here. What would happen if we believed this abiding, remaining, enjoying, celebrating God on a daily basis, number of times during the day, and we just let it become a personal relationship thing with us? What would God do in our church if we started praying, God, less of, God, will you give me this, and I need that, and I like you to do that oh, and bless Andrew and Jan at the same time but we started praying God what are you saying about the church God what's the next steps for my personal life God how do I pray for the kids tonight or today so that the kids work just begins to go forward and forward and forward this is such a simple thing say the word circle And in the middle is the promise. Circle that promise. I can't tell you what God's plan for your life is for this year. Only Jesus can. And if you ask him, he will. But it'll have something to do with helping people. It'll have something to do with looking after people that are poor and doing things for the poor. It'll have something to do with growth and expansion. It'll have something to do with generosity out of our own pockets as we see people in need and we have the ability to be able to do something. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, just give something over there. And that's when we need to remember, don't spare the seed. Any seed that's planted produces harvest. You're not going to lack if God says, share a little bit of seed. You're not going to lack if God says, share a little bit of seed. He'll look after us. Your future will be better. It's all about obedience to the, to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus. It says Jesus is the spirit of prophecy in Revelation. But what would happen? See, I don't want to preach a good sermon today. I've lost. <laughs> I've lost. If you go home and say, John preached a pretty good sermon today. can't remember what it was, but John preached a pretty good sermon. The only way I win is if you say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. You know, if you got the news that Peter Larson got last year of cancer coming into your life, your life would absolutely change. Your prayer life would change because suddenly there's a need that is so before you, you cannot run from it, you cannot escape it. And Peter's got an amazing story of the goodness of God and the wonderfulness of what medicine is, and God uses both prayer and medicine in his life. God is so good. I only win if you come away today saying, actually, I want to go forward in this thing called prayer. Look, we've got um, these here that will show you, tell you about the prayer meetings. Tonight, great one, praying off-site with insight for children. Wednesday night, 
total praise. We've, Robert, unfortunately, when he said he'd run a prayer meeting on Friday morning, didn't... Oh, cool. It's so, so all the prayer meetings are, are going. But don't, don't just stick to these prayer meetings. If you have friends... Is there anyone with friends? If you have friends and they're Christians and you want to get together with them and just have a prayer time over your life and over the ministry of the church, you have full permission to do whatever you want and to pray any prayers that God gives to you. And, and uh, that will make me know that I've preached a good sermon if we're praying. God bless you. Why don't you stand with us?